You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alex Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football, presented by Sport Buff. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. What's the time, bud? Uh, it is the time where all Canadians get together. It doesn't matter what team you root for in the CFL. Uh, you're able to get together with your friends, whether it be in Hamilton or if you're holding a party somewhere else. But uh, one of the most watched television broadcasts of the year is coming up this week and unfortunately obviously you know the Alouettes are not going to be in the Grey Cup this year but um, you know from what we saw in each of the uh, division finals it looks like we're going to have a you know hey we can say we had the last back you know back to back Grey Cup you know same uh, same two teams and the last you know so we were the last team to take part in that so they're just you know we can say they're just copying us one could say that does, does that does that really fly, uh, or am I, mean, I just you know grasping at straws because the owls aren't in it? Uh, maybe a little bit of grasping at straws. But you know <laughs> what, man? Like, this is what we got, folks. This is what we have to work with. So it it is what it is. Uh, again, if you've been living under a rock, uh, it's obviously going to be a rematch of the 2019 Grey Cup, where the Hamilton Tiger Cats will be taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Big difference is though, the game's going to be played in Hamilton's house yeah. at Tim Hortons Field. Now. It's interesting to note, like I've been, you know, following both teams' accounts, and it's really interesting how the Tiger Cats—they're really convinced it's like another home game for them. And I guess in a sense it is, but at the same time, like I just—I'm I, I, not sure of the idea of requesting fans dress all in black. Like I'm sure the Hamilton fans will be on board with that 100%. <laughs> but let's not forget there are still quite a few fans that come th- throughout Canada. And will support their team in the Grey Cup, not yeah. necessarily your team. So if you think you can convince a whole bunch of Riders Nation to give up the green and wear black, <laughs> more power to you. But I just don't see it happening. I think you're not going to get that blackout effect you may have gotten uh, two weeks ago against the Alouettes. And even then, I still saw a fair bit of color throughout the stadium as well. So, you know, it's, I guess it was kind of like the Alouettes doing their their whiteouts back uh, when uh, things were not so great for the team. It's like, you, you can wear white if you want to, and everybody else is like, you know, well, you can just, uh, you know, go screw yourself, and I'll wear whatever <laughs> the hell I want. Yep, and, yep. Uh, uh, I think there was a little bit of that. Uh, I mean, again, I, I didn't see, like, a lot of Hamilton fans wearing, you know, black, but uh, it just wasn't quite the blackout effect that you see, like, in college football, for example. No, 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 no. And those crazy, crazy... Uniforms made mostly, usually most of the time by Nike. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, you know what? You know, Hamilton is looking to become the uh, the to be able to win the championship at home for the first time since the Saskatchewan Rough Riders did it in 2013 and the Argonauts did it in 2012. So it, you know, it's something that has happened before in the CFL. So it's not, you know, it's not something that's never happened before, but. Um, it's going to be a very warm Grey Cup from what we've seen. I think they're calling for like plus four. Wow. Not, for for, for not, mid-December, that's in, that's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, even though the Owls are not going to be in it, we still have some, a great show to talk about this week. Uh, to And 
the big one is our interview this week. It, uh, we're going to be speaking with Alouette's president, Mario Ciccini. Uh, great listen. We do hope you'll stay for the entire thing because he does drop a few a few little nuggets from what he can and what he can tell us. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, with the 2021 and what's coming up for 2022. So make sure you listen carefully. Um, we're going to be talking about, uh, just in here in a couple of minutes, about uh, who the Alouette's free agents are and how Cliffy and I rank who really needs to stay with the team and who possibly the Owls could let go and look for somebody else. Um, but uh, just a reminder, though, uh, the Alouettes did announce officially two days ago, we're taping this on the set, on the 8th, um, that, uh, you know, 2022 memberships can be purchased officially, I guess we can say now. Um, if you go to the uh, Alouettes webpage at uh, MontrealAlouettes.com and you can put in a $50 deposit, um, Stay tuned because I'm sure we'll be finding out very shortly about what uh, what what the new schedule will be for 2022 and all other information concerning 2022 memberships. Also, just a quick update: as you know, we announced last week that if we can get ourselves to 100 followers on our YouTube channel, uh, we will be giving away a brand new with uh, tags. Uh, satin delta jacket yeah and that we have to make it clear that it is a brand new jacket because i've actually had a few people message me and like um does that mean you're giving you and tim are giving away your jackets i'm like no <laughs> we're giving you your very own jacket i saw when he did that I, like, hey, if you want mine i can sign it you know <laughs> I, I mean i don't, I don't want to devalue the jacket by signing it and trying to you know <laughs> sell it on ebay or anything but <laughs> No, no, folks. It is your very own jacket because Tim and I, we, we like our jackets and I'm, yes. I'm going to keep mine and I'm pretty sure Tim's going to keep his. Yes, I am. So this one is all yours. 100% all yours, free of charge. Still in the plastic, too. Still in the plastic. Let's put it that way also. That's how new that these jackets are. There you go. So, I mean, yeah. So if, if that's not enough, folks, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell People on the street. I don't care who you tell. Tell them they've got to subscribe to the Alouette's Flight Deck YouTube channel. Yes. Um, we are halfway there. We thank everybody so far who has, um, who has subscribed to the channel. Uh, but we're almost, as I said, we're more than halfway there. More than halfway there. And as I said, if we can get a, uh, an influx, uh, we, maybe we'll be able to do this by the end of the year. Um, but we'll... We'll, t- we'll take it as it goes, and we'll give you keep giving you updates uh, on social and uh, and through the podcast itself. So, oh, and quick note before we get to our, our topics this week: this isn't necessarily the um, the finale for the twenty twenty two sorry twenty twenty one season. Uh, we have plans of possibly producing one more show before the end of the year, which I think we would call our season finale, and then we'll get into season seven. Uh, so stay tuned uh, to social media, and we'll we'll keep you up to date if we're going to be having uh, that show like we want to, like we hope to. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. All right. So it was it was uh, a list was produced two weeks. I think it was about two weeks ago by the guys over at the Three Down Begin because the league hasn't the league hasn't put out a a list of an official list of who the free agents are going to be for the Alouettes. And it's an interesting list, to say the least, Cliff, because there are some people who are a huge part of the Salowitz franchise. There are some huge names also here that you have been f- watching for quite, quite a while. And it's it could be concerning, considering who they are. So we'll, we'll get right to it. So uh, first and foremost, uh, one of the free agents this year is going to be Matthew Schiltz. Um, mm-hmm. In my opinion, 
because we can go over each of the positions here, Cliff. In my opinion, I think Schiltzie will be staying. And I wouldn't be surprised if he signs for another two-year contract. And uh, nothing would make me happier than to see Schiltzie back in Alouette's blue and red because, once again, we got to see what he was able to do. Finally able to see what he was able to do when given the keys to the car. And he, he did, as far as I'm concerned, an extremely good job. I, I think he played extremely well when Vernon Adams went down. Won that thrilling game in you know, on Thanksgiving against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Beat them again a few days later. And once again, I know people are going to say, well, it was the Ottawa Red Blacks and they sucked out loud this year. Like, fine, whatever. At the end of the day, he had a job to do and he did it. And he did it quite well, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So to me, keeping Schiltzie here, a guy who knows the system, who has grown with the Alouettes, who has become an integral part of this team, working in tandem with Vernon Adams Jr., to me, I, I, I think signing him to an extension is a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Like To have that quarterback depth is crucial. Again, I have all the faith in the world that Vernon Adams is going to come back in 2022 healthier than ever, ready to go, and having Schiltzie as his backup is paramount as far as I'm concerned. And yes, I know we still have the albatross of Trevor Harris currently hanging overhead. To me, though, I think it's kind of a non-issue because, again, I would be absolutely floored to see the Alouettes keep him beyond February 1st where that $300,000 bonus kicks in. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a scenario where Trevor Harris would, you know, you cut him and then you re-sign him at a, a much lower price? That's the potential. Yeah. It could very well happen. Yeah. Would he be willing to renegotiate his contract? I highly doubt it. Considering his history, I agree with you on that one. Yep. So, I mean, like Trevor Harris says he wants to stay in Montreal. He says that uh, playing here was like a breath of fresh air, but... I mean, I'm sorry to say, but I mean, his resume as an Alouette is not that great, to tell you the truth. If if we're being honest, I'm, I'm not going to slander the guy, but I mean, I'm, the facts the fact spe- speaks for themselves. He was not great in an Alouette's uniform, and quite frankly, beyond the health of Vernon Adams, I don't see any reason of keeping him on. If you want to get another quarterback because you don't have, for whatever reason, faith in Adams's health or Schultz's performance... I, I just don't think Trevor Harris is the direction that the Yellowwoods would want to go in. And I, I guess we'll see what happens as the winter approaches. As, yeah, I, and again, like I said last week, I think it'll be decided by January. If not, it, it I think it's very possible we may find something out after Grey Cup. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, because they want to they start promoting the team for 2022. Well, that's it. And it's all about putting the best foot forward and making sure you've got the pieces in place. And you know free agencies in February. So again, that decision is going to have to be made probably a lot sooner than February 1st. So I guess we'll see. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, anything is possible in the Canadian football league. I think you and I know that, but to me, I just don't foresee a scenario, a a plausible scenario where Trevor Harris would still be a member of the Alouettes. So as far as the quarterback situation goes, when it comes to free agency and Matthew Schiltz, I, you got to retain him. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I agree. Running backs. Jeshonan Tui, uh, Regis Sibasu, uh, Alexandre Gagné, Martise Jackson, Spencer Moore, Christophe Normand. Well, uh, Jeshonan Tui, uh, unfortunately, I think people are only going to remember him now for all the wrong reasons, specifically the, fu- the costly fumbles he had uh, against Ottawa in the regular season's finale. Yeah. Uh, that being said, though, I still think he's a very talented player and definitely would be worth considering bringing back. Uh, not to mention the fact, too, that being a national player definitely helps the ratio. Uh, 
as far as uh, Regis Sibisu, he's uh, played uh, very well on special teams. Uh, I don't think he got any rushing opportunities at all in 2021. No, no. Uh, I, I, I really, truly think he was strictly a special teamer. A very good special teamer, but uh, it's interesting. No, he is a running back, but uh, and actually played as receiver uh, for the University of Montreal, but uh, somehow is listed as a running back, but okay. But yeah, yeah primarily a special teamer. Go figure. Alexandre Gagné, same thing. Uh, a very good special teamer because he also filled in for Pierre-Luc Caron as far as a long snapper goes. Uh, so to me, that's uh, he, he's definitely earned a spot on this team in yep. that regards. Because let's face it, like, and uh, we see, you, you see it all the time. You, you, you don't think about the long snapper until you don't have a long snapper. Mm-hmm. And credits to Gagné, he, he stepped up and he made it happen. Like He did, I think, a, a very solid job in relief of Pierre-Luc Caron. Uh, Pierre-Luc Caron, sorry. <laughs> Man, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Alexandre Gagné, I, I could definitely see being offered a contract and uh, sticking around here for 2022 and beyond. Uh, Martise Jackson, again, we didn't see a whole lot due to injuries, but what we saw was pretty decent. Yeah. I, I think that would be he'd be worth uh, another look, at least an invite to camp. Uh, Spencer Moore and Christophe Normand, uh Again, you saw them a little bit more on special teams or in uh, second and long situations, or sometimes even second and short. Like more, they're more second down players. Uh, not outstanding. I mean, they were definitely solid contributors. But uh, the thing I, I worry about with Spencer Moore is he's not a young man anymore. He's definitely a veteran. Right. Uh, I I don't know how much more he's got to offer. Uh, Christophe Normand is the, actually the uh, Jake Gaudier Memorial Award nominee for the Alouettes. Uh, you know, he do, he's done some outstanding work in the community and is very much a a leader in the locker room. That being said, though, uh, I, I I'm still have not seen anything truly outstanding from him on the field, enough to warrant saying, oh yeah, he's a definite re-sign. Uh, that being said, though, I definitely see potential in bring him back into camp if only to have experience as well as someone who knows special teams as well. So so who would you bring back? If you were to, of the five of the six that are listed, if you had to choose at least one to bring back, who would you bring back? Because, I mean, I, I would look at probably Spencer Moore or, again, maybe Jeshwin Antwi because he did, you know, a, a player is not one game. We all have to understand that. And he just didn't get his mm-hmm. chance. You know, you know, that's the way that it is when it comes to, to wide receivers. You know, they drop a ball, you can go back to them almost immediately. They, they try to do that with Jeshuan, but it, I probably would go Jeshuan, and I probably would go with Spencer Moore. I'd bring those two. If I had, if I had to choose, I'd bring those two back. Mm-hmm. You? I'd probably go with Antwi and probably Alexandre Gagne. Okay. And again, I, but again, this is the tricky part, because if, you want, if you're talking strictly as a running back, then it would be Antwi and Jackson. If you're looking more towards special teams, then it would have to be Gagne and, and Moore. That's fair. I agree with you on that one. I agree with that one. So it's it's kind of a tricky one because if you're going strictly by their positions, but you take a look at the player themselves and what they've contributed to the team, it becomes a different argument altogether. Yeah. Here's the big list. Wow, this is a big list. Mm. Receiver, Dante Absher, Mari Alford, B.J. Cunningham, Eugene Lewis, Rashawn Simonize, and Jake Winicky. Mm. I'll tell you this. If the Alouettes do not bring back Eugene Lewis and Jake Winicky, it won't be pretty. Yeah. And I noticed you left out, we, as much as we love BJ. It, well. I think with the, with the, uh, 
with the coming out party for, you know, Reggie White Jr. Oh, man. You know I what mean, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think it, it may have not been the same way for BJ when he got hurt a couple of years back. I don't think it was the same exact thing. We, we The wide receiver that took over for him, I don't think was as productive. You know, uh, you know, Alfred, I probably see him staying specifically for returns. Yeah. I think that's almost a, you can put a check mark by that name. Right. Eugene Lewis, Jake Winnicky, yeah, I see that also. It's very possible Rayshon Simonize may also be back because he is a national receiver. And he did, he didn't get much this year because I think the last couple of games he was on, uh, he was a, a, a healthy scratch. But he still, he still is a Canadian who has experience in the CFL. That's it. He's a ratio breaker. So yeah, exactly. So if I were to choose some of these things here, because right, Asher did well too in, in place when B, and when uh, when Eugene Lewis went down. So it, this is tough, man. So you also, we also have to remember who's on, also on the roster now. You know who did not? Who's on the practice roster? Who mm-hmm. didn't get in? You know, one no. being one being as as an example, Fabian Guerra. He didn't get his chance to to do anything this year because mm-hmm. he they see he was resigned late, et cetera, et cetera. But if I were to have to choose, to me it would be. It would be Eugene, Jake, Alfred, more or less for for returns. Um, again, Simonized. But if I had to choose three of those six, those are the three that I would choose. Wendy Key, Lewis, and Alfred. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking the same way. Like, like to me, I think Eugene and Jake are automatic, especially after the year they had. And regardless of who the quarterback was, these guys produced. Like to me, that like you almost want to hand them a blank check and say, "Here, how much do you want?" <laughs> exactly, and I think I said I may have said this last week, uh, uh, or maybe I just said it to you. But uh, in all honesty, for them to have Eugene back, I think it may easily depend on who's going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, I, I really think that might be a, you know, a, a deal breaker or maker. Even yes, yes, in my opinion. You know what? You're not wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Like, and again, as I, I just finished saying, like Eugene Lewis was productive regardless of who was throwing him the football. Yeah. Hell, he even threw the football himself. I and know. Was productive. So, and if it wasn't for him being hurt, he would have led the league in, in yardage. He would have broken a thousand yards, and he would have he would have led. He would have led yeah. the league in yardage. Yeah. And TD Jake, he did lead the league in touchdown receptions. Exactly. Exactly. Full stop. I mean, like that. That's a no brainer sign, signing right there. Yeah. So, I mean, as I said, those two guys. Without question, if you don't sign those guys to contracts, there's going to be a, a you better have a damn good reason why not. Yeah. Um, offensive line: David Brown, David Foucault, uh, Chris Schluger, Tony Washington. Mm-hmm. Tony's coming back after you know obviously he broke his leg in 2019. I think he he played very well and it was banged up near the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I think he is. I think he is was somebody you need to put a check mark by in my opinion, but it depends, you know, age and whatever. It depends on what I'm sure. Yeah, he's not a young man, unfortunately. Um, I mean, he still, he still plays with fire. He still has that, that spark. And, you know, the veteran leadership is so important, especially with a position like the offensive line. I mean, that, to me, that's, that's definitely a bring back as far as I'm concerned. But at the same time, too, with him not being a young man, you may not necessarily want to blow your brains out paying him six figures. Right. And did any of the other three... They, because obviously we know the issues with the offensive line. I think the other thing that we need to look at is of the remaining three that are free agents, which of them, which of them shined in 2021 when they uh, were David, called when they were called upon. David Brown definitely did mm-hmm. because he stepped in for uh, Sean Jameson at center, which was no small task. Nope. 
I mean, yeah, even if you have Christian Matt as a essentially a backup and someone who had played the center position before, they were leaning heavily on Jameson to start, and then David Brown was able to step in uh, and did an admirable job, all things considered. So, I, I mean, I think that's the if you were going to of those three, I think that would definitely be an automatic bring back because, yeah, yeah. If, if only for the depth, yeah, I agree. Again, yeah. I, if Sean Jameson stays healthy, he's definitely one of the best young centers in the Canadian Football League. And David Brown definitely has potential to be likewise if 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 called upon. Uh, Fuko and Schluger, uh, I, I hate to say it, like Schluger unfortunately just can't stay healthy. So I, I mean, when he's played, he's been solid, but just injured far too often. Yeah. I don't know what's, what the deal is, but to me, it's unfortunately not a bring back. Uh, David Foucault, uh, I mean, he was a backup for the most part. And then when he did actually get actual playing time, fortunately, he didn't look, I mean, he looked good in a lot of instances, but like... They say you're only as good as your last game, and his last game was not good at all. Yeah. He did not help his quarterback at all, as far as I'm concerned. I say, as much as Trevor Harris has to assume a good portion of the blame for what went down in Hamilton, you could take a look at uh, pretty much the entire offensive line, but mostly Foucault. Like there was times where he was just blown up yeah. by Hamilton's defensive line, and they were able to make life miserable for Harris. It makes me wonder. It makes me wonder. Depending on how many, you know, just these four free agents, how heavily the Owls will go in to free agency when it comes to getting either uh, an offensive lineman through through free agency or through a trade. Well, there's one name on the list, or I don't, well, it's not really on the list because I don't know if he's still, if he's going to become, an, if he is a pending free agent or not, but uh, Derek Dennis mm-hmm. is someone that I would be. If I'm Danny Machocha, I'm finding a way to get this guy. I know the Elks were holding him. Out of spite, essentially, because he had opted not to play this year due to uh, COVID and family concerns, but then decided that he did want to play and asked to be released. And the team basically said no. And they didn't want him with the Elks, but they didn't want to let him go and pursue other opportunities, mm-hmm. which I, I think was extremely petty on their part. But oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. let's not forget, the regime that did that is no longer in place in Edmonton. Exactly. So... It can go one of two ways. One, maybe Dennis would be willing to go back to Edmonton, depending on who the new general manager and head coach are, or whoever the new general manager and head coach are might be willing to make a deal happen. And if we can bring Derek Dennis to Montreal, that would be huge as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Like that's like that's the kind of move that should have been made as far as I'm concerned this season. Yeah, like, for sure. Could, let's face it, the offensive line, they were good for the most part this year. But when they were banged up, you noticed. You noticed the like the depth that we thought we had suddenly wasn't so good. Yeah, and if we had someone like that in the lineup, I think that would have made a huge difference. It would have helped keep a Trevor Harris a little more upright and maybe given him more time to hold. I mean, get rid of the ball. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, like I to agree. Me, like, like I, I think that's something that the Elwes are going to have to take a good long look at as far as free when the free agency goes is taking a look at the offensive line and. Thinking about getting a little bit younger, but finding people with experience as well. Like it, to find some young veterans to bring in and help guys like uh, Philip Gagnon, Sean Jameson, Christian Matt. I mean, you know, there's there, and this year's draft. I mean, now that Montreal has a first round draft pick, hey hey, for for the first time in what feels like forever. That's that's a road they could be going down too. But to me, I think if you can find a young veteran 
to bring in and help just bolster this offensive line, I think that's got to be priority number one as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Now, just uh, we'll go quick. By the way, no kickers and we have no long snappers. They they put those here specifically. Um, so we don't have to worry about them. And here, here's the big thing. Now, obviously, the defense did quite well this year. Uh, there are some names here that are that can be are going to be very interesting. So first, we'll start off quickly with the defensive line. Woody mm-hmm. Barron, Jean-Samuel Blanc, David Menard, Nick Usher, Michael Wakefield. They all played prominent parts <laughs> this year in the defensive line. The question is, that- Cliff, who... Who do we not want to sign? That, 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 this, is the, this is probably one of the toughest lists. It really is. I mean, <laughs> the, just by the way, the, nom- the Eastern nominee for most outstanding Canadian is on this list. <laughs> I know. And as you keep oh, mentioning, one start in 2021. One start. Uh, unbelievable. Like, and that's the thing. Like Everybody else on this list has started for this for this team. I mean, well, Menard started too. But, I mean, Woody Barron was a starting uh, defensive lineman. Nick Usher. I mean, those are two starters right there, and I think Woody Barron was was a beast this year. He was, he absolutely was. Like he was expected to take on that leadership role, and I think for the most part he has done that. Nick Usher, I, I laughed when someone called him a free agent bust because okay, like he started out kind of slow, but towards the end he really kicked into high gear and proved his worth. Like to me, like that's the kind of guy I want on my team as well. Like I, I was excited when the Alouettes signed him as a free agent. And I'd say for the most part, he did not disappoint. I think he wasn't perfect. Nobody on this defensive line was perfect. But I think he did help improve and and help make this defense as feared as it was. So I I think definitely Woody and Nick and Menard are the three. If I had to pick three guys to sign out of that list, those three without question would be you know, a go out and keep. I would say I think in my opinion, I think they they need to try to sign all these guys some way. If, oh, if, if possible, because it's they're pretty big names. I mean, defensive. When we're doing the list for defensive backs in a couple of minutes, it's even worse. <laughs> oh boy! It's oh my god! <laughs> so let's do linebackers real quick here, Cliff. Um, yeah. Jason Hall, Paul uh, Kozachuk, DJ Lalama, and Ahmad Thompson. Now we talked at the beginning of the show. We don't know what's happening with DJ Lalama because he sat out this year and he's he's at home in Manitoba. Yeah. And he's taking Still, like, coaching. So like, again, that's right. Yeah. So that right now is really up in the air. So I don't know if we should technically, quote unquote, disqualify him at the moment. But we need to find out more information. But he is a free agent. Well, I, mean, I, free I think agent. he's a keeper. I still think he's a keeper. Um, but man, I, I'm going to say pick one. Then to pick one pick out of those one. would be. Because uh, we got we to spend, Co- spend our money wisely, obviously. You know what I'm getting at. Right. Okay. If I can only pick one, then I'm going with Kozachuk. Okay. Because he was a, a midseason addition, yeah. You know, after uh, like he left in free agency after 2019, uh, went back home to Toronto because he's a Toronto guy. Uh, I think he went through training camp with the Argos, and then I don't know if he was cut during training camp or if he managed to play a couple of games for the Argos. I honestly don't remember, but he was ended up being released and ended up back in Montreal. And boy, Almighty, was he good! He played extremely well on special teams, and even a couple of the defensive uh, battles that he was in. He, he looked good. He looked really like this is he, he's one of those high motor guys. And he, to me, like he, he was a big part of this team in in 2019, mm-hmm. a, a very solid contributor on special teams yeah. and just kept on going in 2021, despite, you know, the year off, despite not being a part of the team to start. 
like to me, like like this is a guy who's going to grow with this team if you give him the opportunity. To me, like I, I think if if I had to pick one out of the, these four, I think it would have to be Kozichuk. Okay. All right. Here's the big one. Probably the oh. second biggest list when it comes to well-known names uh, next to the uh, to the list of wide receivers. Oh my! Defensive backs: <laughs> Ryan Carter, Ty Cranston, Kerfala Emmanuel. Exume. Thank you, Exume. Tyquan Glass, Money Hunter, Patrick Levels, Najee Murray, Greg Reed, Dominique Dermenson. Holy crap! Yeah. Okay. To me, right away. Greg Reed has to be a keeper. They got to find a way to keep and sign Greg to at least a two year contract. Yep. Because he has played lights out ever since he's come to Montreal. Lights out. Yeah. He didn't quite, I, I'm sure it's probably bugging the hell out of him that he didn't make the all star team like he did in 2019. Like he, I won't say he fell off, but didn't quite have the outstanding year that he did in 2019. He still was very much an important part of this team. He still made plays happen, but. I, I I don't want to say he took a step back necessarily, but he didn't quite have that all-star year. That being said, you and I know the potential this guy has. You know what he brings to the table each and every week. And for that alone, I think you you definitely still have to keep him as a part of this team. Yeah. Now look at the others, dude. See, this is this is the problem. Money played well. Money played well. Patrick did well. We're not, I'm going to keeping his mouth shut. Um, <laughs> this one's tough, dude. I don't even want to make a list say you can only have to pick four, but I would say if you have to pick four, just just to keep it interesting. Well, and the really tough part is Ryan Carter, unfortunately, he tore his Achilles and it was out all year. Yeah. Dominique Tremanson was placed on the suspended list. Yeah. Uh, everybody else, though, was a part of this team on, on the field. Uh, Ty Cranston, I think, stepped up uh, in, the, in light of uh, the injury to uh, Mark Antoine Decoy. Yeah, and uh, proved himself to be very, very valuable. Uh, Taekwon Glass, I really had high hopes for him because I, I really thought that he would be one of those big time players for the Alouettes, and he did okay, but not outstanding. I mean, for every great play that he had, he'd also have uh, like a real brain fart. Yeah, you know, it, it happens. I mean, nobody's perfect, but I mean, it, there was just it was just very inconsistent as far as. Uh, as play goes uh Exume, you know a solid special teamer but that's about it he really didn't get a whole lot of chance to play it in the secondary very much this year so i i really can't i i just make, I, think, I, I, can't, I think that just goes to show how dominant that our starters currently are for the most part yes uh to me if you told me i had to pick four on this list i'd probably go cranston hunter murray and reed yeah i think my and even though he did what he did this year. I still, I think I would also get my, um, just outside of that list to me would be Patrick at Patrick levels. Yeah. I mean, let's again, say what you will about him running his mouth about the guarantee and all that stuff. That doesn't matter. That that's one game. If you take a look at his overall body of work, he was the leader in the secondary for, for this Alouettes team. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I, I love watching him play and I love that. I love the. I even love the fact that he was able to, you know, talk his talk. I mean, unfortunately, it just it was not the best of looks for him getting blown up by Brendan Banks in the Eastern semifinal. But, but again, I'm gonna go. That was a beautiful pass. Well, it, it sure it sure was. And listen, what are you gonna do about it? And yeah, to his credit, level zoned up. Yeah, you know, he 
you know, like, again, if you're, if you're going to talk trash, then you better bring it. And that particular day, he did not. No. no. It happened. It's, it's one game, though. You take a look at his overall body work in 2021. He is still a phenomenal player. He is still somebody I would want on my team just for what he brings. I agree. As far as energy goes, as far as motivation, as far as just playmaking ability, he's unpa- he's unparalleled in that department. I agree, and he showed it throughout the regular season. Now, and it, I think giving him give him the opportunity to 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 do that again in twenty twenty two, I I truly think that he can he can still be that guy. I would not be surprised, Cliff. I know it was a little bit later than it was in the you know that the season ended compared to you know twenty nineteen and, and most seasons. One obviously. The week in between Grey Cup is usually it's the same thing with the Super Bowl where nothing, no other news comes out. I would not be surprised if we hear after Christmas or in between Christmas and the New Year that some of these guys have been signed. You think the there's uh, deals in a drawer, as I used to say. I think so. <laughs> Could be. Could I think be. so. Which would be nice. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I think so. a lot. I think maybe it's possible a lot of these guys don't. And, and the thing is, people like uh, you know, I, you know, if you check by the way, if you check Gino's Instagram, he's still here in Montreal. The funniest thing the other day where he was trying to he was actually explaining how we clean up our snow here and he was showing the the, the snow cleaners uh, this uh, the, the, the you know the, the machines that come up chew up the snow and spit it out into, into the trucks mm-hmm. he was explaining I love it I, I think <laughs> Gino I think I would not be surprised if Gino was one of the first announced would not be surprised would not be surprised no I, I think again because I, I think he would I think he wants to finish his, his careers in Alouette. I think so too. I think he he loves this city. I think he loves playing here. I think he loves what this team is and what it's become. To me, I, I again, I, I think there's no better Christmas gift that Danny Matocha can give Alouette Nation than to announce. Oh, by the way, Gino staying put. Yeah, exactly. For two years minimum, and then, and then they'll then the stuff fall into place. Um, as promised, uh, obviously this is something where we're going to keep track of and, and going forward. So make sure you check out our social media. Uh, mm-hmm. As promised, uh, we it's a second year in a row, second year in a row, or second season in a row that we've been able to no, second year second year in a row that we've been able to speak with the Alouettes president Mario Ciccini. Um Listen to the interview that we had with him ju- just the other day and pay attention to some pretty pretty as I mentioned at the top of the show some pretty interesting tidbits. So uh, we'll get to the interview with him, and when we get back, we will finish up the show. And what we're hoping to become a annual tradition, second year in a row, we happen to have the gentleman who. Hopefully, we'll be able to give a little bit of insight on the past year and what's coming up for the 2022 Alouettes. On the line with us now is President of the Alouettes, Mario Ciccini. Hey, Mario, thanks for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Hope everything is fine with you guys. Every, everything's good, except I'm sure Cliff can agree that uh, we wish this weekend that the Alouettes were in the Grey Cup, as I'm sure as you would, too. <laughs> I, I That's think why we can, I say with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is something we can all agree on 100%. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, obviously, last year, Mario, when we spoke, the uh, things were a little bit more up in the air. Uh, it was a little bit more better this year, obviously, with us being able to have a season, even though it was a uh, a, a shortened season, but that's fine. Um, overall, I, I, I did watch the, the Alouette's year-end press conference. Um there were a lot of pluses and for those who may have not watched the, uh, the press conference, can you give a quick synopsis on on the pluses that the Alouettes had this past season? Well, um, let me start with on the field performance because 
uh, and then we can go to wherever you want afterwards sure. and men and season and, you know, and ticket sales and all that. But yeah. I don't want people to forget, you know, when we say that we're disappointed and I think I wrote it in my note also to uh, ticket holders and on my Facebook page, we are disappointed because we knew we had the team to go all the way. Uh, and there's still no doubt in my mind. I hope not in yours, but it's always debatable. But I think most guys and most experts and, and most people, observers, uh, would agree that, um, you know, we had the team to go very, very far in the playoffs and in the season. So that that's the disappointment. And and to to underline that, of course, you just look at our stats on the offense where we, we are number one or number two in about every category. Um, so that speaks volume about how we had the potential. And at the same time, we had a difficult defense in the first uh, six games. And you, you do remember we made some changes. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think the coach and rearranged it around with uh, Byron Miles and Greg Quick and Byron Archambault, the new coaches that came in. And with, I mean, not new coaches, but different duties. And suddenly, with, the, with only in the remaining eight games, we, I think, gave up 20 points, I think, only twice. Um, the Winnipeg game, the Hamilton game, and that was it. Um, so, a very solid defense. Now, what did hurt us a lot was special teams uh, that we were not necessarily happy with. That was very difficult and, and gave a lot of um, field positioning sometimes. This is why sometimes we may have lost some of the um, low-scoring games. Uh, but, so... You know, and I can go on about the game of sports, and we can talk about everything that you want afterwards. <laughs> on the, because I'm sure I will be, I will, I will keep some room for you guys uh, having uh, questions. But then, uh, and on, on the, so basically, that's what we talked about. We talked about at the press conference also about indiscipline, which clearly was an issue this year. And we've, uh, we will take the step. We all, you know, we vow to take the steps that this. This doesn't represent me, doesn't represent Danny, doesn't represent Kahari, and doesn't represent the Alouette and the character that we want to show. So it was a recurring problem, and that's inexcusable. That's the big frustration of this year. Um, this being said, on the administrative side, we raised our tickets, you know, our season tickets grew by 20 points, about uh, uh, 18 or 19 percent, I believe. We grew our individual tickets by 45 percent. Yeah, sorry, by 54%. We grew uh, by 18 new sponsors. And you remember we talked about that last year. In COVID times, it was a challenge. Yeah. So we, we, we grew that, that, um, that uh, part of our business. We grew the, our, our boxes versus 2019, of course, were 137% improvement. We basically sold out the business club, so 40% more tickets, uh, which... All of this to say that when you look at tickets, we basically made the same revenue as 2019 with three games less. So that gives you a sense of the progress. And then obviously uh, that all means that the deficit that you know Gary Stern I talked about, which I'm sure you remember the number that mm-hmm. he that he um, even though we're a private company, Gary made that number public at his press conference. So we basically cut it in half. You know, so it's a good first step. Uh, we're not happy with those results in the sense that we obviously want to have more. Uh, that was also done 
when there were seven games, if you remember, four of those seven games came as of, you know, beyond October 22nd. So late October and November, which is not typical. Right. We were not, uh, we were not uh, blessed with uh, good weather during those games. But, you know, that happens. And I know that true football fans don't care. But uh, the occasional football fan might. Uh, so that probably affected us a little bit and the context, of course, you know, the, the, the COVID, uh, less people downtown in offices, you know, so last minute arrangements to say, let's have dinner downtown and stay at the game. Uh, you know, when you're at home, maybe in the suburbs, it's much tougher to get up your, your butt, as we say, at five o'clock and say, let me drive downtown you know, when you've been spending all week at home. So all of these little things. And adjustments in consumer be, uh, behavior, uh, uh, you know, uh, makes it that we need to find ways, new ways to reach out to people. So, in a in a nutshell, I hope I've given you the gist yeah. of the uh, hour and a half uh, press conference we did last week. You did, you did. Um, when the season began, uh, Mario, was there a particular? number that you were hoping to average before you knew what the government was going to allow in stadium that you that you would have been comfortable with? Because I think the team ended up around 11,000 or 12,000 on average for the seven games. But was there a number that the team had been looking at? Listen, not, not really, uh, because when we, if you go back to June, when the season started, yeah. we were only permitted 2,500. Right. You know, when we made the decision around the schedule, we were told 2500 for the summer, then maybe 5000 for my September and October game, October 11th, and then maybe for October and November, we would be up to uh, like 10000 Right. So we, it, we did not even plan that way. Then two weeks before the season, we are told you can have, uh, you know, uh, 15000 So... Less time to sell tickets, of course, Uh, a bit more difficulty there. But we would have been happy with more of an average of sold tickets. When I say that, and that's very important because sometimes when we report audiences, Mm -hmm. and you heard it at the press conference because the question was asked, uh, um, you know, there's uh, tickets that were given away, of course, to sponsors, to media, to players, to staff. And former administration uh, were given out just more than we did. So the numbers I quoted were actually people paying buying tickets. So that that for us, to me, is a very good sign, just like the ratings were up on TV. So the engagement versus the team was great. So I would have hoped, you know, that we would sustain. So if you ask me, I'll I'll answer you on the basis of 2023. I do want to grow this number, of course. For sure. Uh, And now we'll be able to do a lot of the community events that we couldn't do, a lot of the marketing aspect of it, us reaching out to meet fans and all that. So hopefully we're able to reach a 13, 14,000 of sold tickets. Right. You know? And that's, that's the important thing. Yeah. Um, one last question about attendance. And this is something that Cliff and I talked about throughout the year. And I just, I want your, see if I can get your opinion on it or what, what the team was thinking. Obviously, as you said, we were blessed to have, you know, a very unique schedule, but it's still, I think it was a positive schedule in itself. At the beginning of the year, when we had the home opener, we had, I think it was close to fifteen or 16,000 people or whatever near maximum that we were, we were allowed at that time. But that was we were a, at 15, yeah. Yeah, but that was a week prior, or that was three weeks prior to the COVID passport becoming uh, active. 
in your opinion, yeah. do you think that the the introduction of the COVID passport caused less people to come to the games than what they did, let's say, week one for the Alouettes? No doubt in my mind uh, that it caused issues. Uh, not mis- I, It's hard to put a number on it. Yeah. But for sure, it, first of all, those who are not vaccinated, right there, right. Uh, to constraint. So we, if 20% of the population is not vaccinated, uh, all things being equal, maybe 15 to 20% of our crowd is not. Right. So right away, there's that, there's that number of people that, that cannot come. And then there's just the trouble of uh, waiting. It takes a bit longer. You know, we were asking people to come earlier. Mm-hmm. And so we were still seeing lines. People who came in late miss sometimes the first 10 minutes, you know. So that's, that's not fun. Um, and then, obviously, there's the sense of what I was referring to, consumer behavior, when, when that passport, what it does also, it sort of puts a, a big spotlight on the fact that uh, it might be, you know, it, it's, uh, it's still strange yeah. to be with a crowd. It was, say, so you have those people who are just cannot wait to get out. For sure. And be with a crowd. And, and they drink beer and they eat and they're happy and it's a party. <laughs> and then you have the others that, because we had a lot of uh, ticket members that called us up and said, listen, guys, keep my tickets for 2022. I don't want to go this year. So, uh, so we had a lot of those people that uh, chose to pass on 2021 for a number of reasons. So I cannot, I, uh, for sure, I, it's hard to put a number on, yeah. on it, but it's, for sure it was something that was, uh, that was not uh, positive around the experience yeah. of coming to the stadium, unfortunately. One Even thing. though we did our best to make it less you know as less uh, uh the 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 lesser burden that we could sure that way and as a longtime season ticket holder i think i i can speak for cliff when i say this too is that we were impressed and how the team was able to um to adapt especially when it came to the pa- uh, to the passport and having to ask all the you know the new gather the the new information uh i came when i needed to when the team suggested i do understand that there were issues but it, overall, Mario, if I were to say, I would give the team a solid A on how it was and how the team actually was able to do it. So kudos to the team and, and you know, and, and you know how you guys are able to handle the restrictions and allow fans into the stands. Well, thank you for saying that. And, and of course, the operations team that we have and an experienced one and they were able to turn around. And that's when I'd say we did the best that we could in a stadium that has you know, four doors and not eight. Yeah. And you know, the, the, it's the most romantic stadium, you know, mm-hmm. when it's filled on a, on a nice night, but it's not the most practical, you know, let's put it that way in yeah. terms of, of, uh, but, uh, thank you for mentioning it because the operation, the operations team, uh, deserve a big, uh, a big, uh, thumbs up for sure. Cliff. Okay, I'm look. I'm look curious about something, Mario, and maybe you can. I just want to circle back to as far as before the uh, the limits went up for as far as attendance goes for the Alouettes. Uh, when we when you were only starting at 2,500, and it was pretty much expected that it was only going to be season ticket holders that were going to be allowed to attend the games. Uh, during that time, with the demand, was demand so high for tickets that you felt like you had to turn people away to respect the limits or was there demand and it was just a matter of trying to find that challenge to meet the 2,500 limit? Well, it, 
no, the, the meeting, the 2,500 limit was not an issue. And to your point, we were not as much turning people away as people were calling us and saying, I'll be there for 2023 or 2022, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, because they didn't want to get excited and then maybe not be able to come. And we had never got to the point where we haven't, we had not yet, we had a lot of scenarios on the table, how to accommodate, you know, was it first come first serve? Was it on a rotation basis? You know, so you guys pick uh, three games and the others pick three games, you know, Uh, we were all on those scenarios and, and we are not yet communicated. The, how we would handle it, and then the rules uh, changed. So it did slow down a lot of people because they just didn't know. Uh, and it's okay because we were still hearing by the end of July. Remember when the Canadians won the playoff? They played up until July, and and the Canadians themselves made a press conference asking for ten thousand people. And so we're there, and we're just bystanders at that time. We said, okay, well, if they succeed inside then we'll be okay outside for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, then they were shut down during the Stanley Cup playoffs, which was probably early July. And I think we got the go maybe two weeks after. So you had people holding off because the plan was not communicated yet. So, so we would have had a, that would have been a nice puzzle, you know, in terms of who, how do you decide who comes to the game and who doesn't, you know, as soon as we would have been at around 10,000, then we would have been okay at that point. But the four games before, we probably would have had a challenge. Um, okay. Out of curiosity, too, and one, one last question about when it came to COVID and health measures, in your in your history as being an executive, Mario, has this been, was this the most challenging year you've ever had to face? That's a good question. Um, I've had, fortunately, I... I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, but my career has been doing just that, turning businesses around and, and taking some companies that have deficits and difficulty and making them profitable within a reasonable amount of time. So, so it's all been a, it's a different set of challenge. Uh, what made COVID unique is the, the, the fact that it's obviously global and the fact that you, 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 you feel helpless. You feel like there's a lot of things you don't control. There's no visibility. You know, even if you do a plan, and as you know, the league did many plans in 2020 where we ended up not playing. Uh, This year, we did about seven or eight scenarios, even looking at the Olympic Stadium, looking at McGill, trying to find. So every time you do a, uh, uh, don't forget social distancing in the beginning. Uh, we need. We had the, the games where, technically speaking, people were. We sold the tickets based on social distancing, uh, in terms of groups. Uh, but then, when people knew each other, they sort of, you know, uh, still moved up and were next to one another. So there were things we couldn't control. Uh, so that made it probably unique. I, I'm not sure it's the toughest, uh, because at the same time, you know, when it affects everybody there's sort of a feeling there of helplessness that you say, okay, guys, it, this is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. So you don't feel as pressured or guilty of not succeeding to the maximum because nobody else in the world is, you know, mm-hmm. even look, look at the crowds. I don't know. Tonight is going to be, we're recording this on, on uh, December 7th. Uh, you know, the Canadians are playing uh, Tampa Bay 
tonight, the Stanley Cup team last year and the the rematch. And I don't know if they're going to be this. Is, there's 21,000 in the stands. The, the recent game suggests it's more like 15 and 16,000. So every arena in Canada for hockey and even, you know, you saw the playoff game in Saskatchewan, for example, yeah. where they usually turn out great crowds and there were about the two thirds of the crowds that they usually have. So there is something going on where people are a little bit holding back. So, and we all feel a little bit helpless. So, so to me, it's, it's more the helplessness around it that you don't have to, you're used as an executive, you're used to say, here's an issue. Here's my five solutions, and which one do I pick? Right. And hopefully I pick the right one. Now we're looking at this and we say, here's five issues, and you know what? There's no solution short term because yeah. the government won't let you. Cause, so, so very frustrating from that point of view. Very frustrating. I can imagine. Cliff? All right. Okay, let's talk about 2021 as far as – I know that you're limited to what you can speak about as far as the on-field product goes, but off-field, do you feel like the Alouettes reached the goals that they wanted to that were set out early in the season? Uh, I think that we, uh, it depends how you look at it, uh, Cliff. We, we reached our goals in context of COVID. Uh, so, and that's important because all, a lot of our marketing plan, a lot of our, the proximity we wanted to have with fans and the community, uh, for guys like you, season ticket holders, we had promised uh, access to the field to everybody, uh, which will now be next year, either before games, after games. Uh, all of these, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, visits in the locker rooms, all of these things that that has been done in the past that we wanted to build on and improve. We we wanted to have a sort of a a meeting on a weekly basis between Kahari, Danny, and myself with a group of fans in some form of location. So direct access, sort of a debriefing the weekend game, you know, so directly with the actors of, of, of the game and potentially having one or two players. All of these things went away because of uh, COVID, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and a lot of, uh, and that's not even counting on the community events and all the, the presence that either myself, Danny, or the players um, can make. So if you put that aside because it was against our control and certainly against our will, and then you have to look at the results based on and the number of new advertisers, the uh, ratings on RDS and TSN, ratings on TSN 690 and 98.5 in French radio, the media coverage, um, yeah, and, and you can judge that, of course. I mean, my communications people tell me it was definitely the best coverage over the past uh, probably six, seven years going back to Anthony dates. Uh, 2012 or something like that, and when it was, you know, uh, after the the difficult seasons. So, so, and then you look at season ticket growth, and you say, okay, it, it's got to be, I mean, it's a positive year from that point of view, let's put it that way, in context of COVID. So, the revised objective in context of, go- of COVID, I guess we can say were attained from that point of view. Okay. Uh- you, you touched on, on something that I would like to talk about as far as uh, the ratings go on uh, TSN and RDS. Uh, obviously, there is an appetite for football. There's definitely people that are, if they're not coming to the games, they're at least being able to watch the games at home. Yeah. Now, what's 
what's is there a game plan as far as trying to turn a lot of those viewers into actual attendees? Yeah, well, that's um, of course, and it's not only uh, viewers, but it's also those sometimes who actually would like to enjoy a show, even though they don't watch TV, you know, uh, games on TV. So we need to get after those those very challenging demographics. We have a game that we're thinking right now that takes three hours. So maybe at the end of the day, it's four to five hours out of somebody's day. So that takes a lot of convincing also with the new demographics, with the, not the new, the younger ones, I mean. So there's, so we need to find ways in order to attract them. But I think it starts, and guys, I won't surprise you by my answer. I mean, you are long-time season ticket holders. It's much more fun to go see the Alouettes in 2008, 2009, and 2010 than in 2013, 14, and 15, right? And that's probably the understatement of the year, uh, when the team is winning versus when the team is not. So putting a product on the field that's exciting, that has character, that by next year is disciplined, and also uh, that is always exciting to watch is, is, is first and foremost the best uh, sales tool, if you will, if, I, if you allow me that expression, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 we can, that we can dream of. The rest will be all working around making the, either the, you know, the experience, overall experience around the stadium as much pleasant as we want, tailgate, will be able to happen in a, in a better fashion next year where, you know, we already in talks with some of our partners to improve and to make it a, to make it as much as we can a happening. So all of these things are in, in, in the talks right now, you know? So, uh, so yes, it's going to be, um, it's going to be all around, uh, making it an event, you know, uh, 10 times a year and hopefully an event that people feel that they cannot miss. And and you happen to get back, you know, Montreal's tradition in the Thanksgiving Day game, and hopefully that will continue for years and years and years and years. Well, we are exactly we are uh, doing the schedule right now. If we're lucky, uh, it will be announced sometime, uh, and hopefully before Christmas. It's not for me to; it's it's for the CFL, of course, to decide. But I've looked at a couple of drafts right now, so I know we're we're. We're getting near, so uh, and hopefully that's a tradition that we're going to keep. Absolutely, there was there was a great successful game this year. It was a it was a <laughs> nerve wracking game when that's the one we won <laughs> yeah. in the last uh, twenty seconds or last minute. But mm-hmm. um, but 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 absolutely, it, it's a tradition that needs to go on. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a frustrating. I think I mentioned this to you last year too. It, it was frustrating when we lost it for when the team lost it for a year, you know, because everybody has you know the Labor Day Classic. They had the banjo bowl, et cetera, et cetera. In Montreal, not really having a a natural rival, it kind of it was nice to see having getting you know Ottawa in here for Thanksgiving on the day that we call you know, which is a part of in, in my opinion, it's part of a. Uh, of Montreal tradition and lore is the Thanksgiving Day game. So it's, you know, yeah. uh, f- fingers crossed. I know you may know, but fingers crossed that we'll be there on that October, <laughs> that October Monday. So, <laughs> yeah, but if, if we have it our way, we will be there. And even against Ottawa, we will be there, there so, we because go. we want the tradition. We want, we love to beat Ottawa, as you all know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Always <laughs> love to beat Ottawa, right? So that's the way. That's the way to look at it. Um, is, Mario, <laughs> is the team going to be looking again at, because I know it was a, a huge staple within the, the, the team itself, and obviously it was canceled because of COVID, 
but potentially bringing back the uh, the fan plane game, the the fan bus game, the fan train game is 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 the team looking into that for 2022 if it's allowed? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, these are tradition that again, it's just part of the things that we did in the past. We want to do again, and pushing my team to uh, improve it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, make up on the one year that we missed. It's nobody's fault, of course. It's not ours, but absolutely, that's going to be part of it. I want to increase the locker room visits because I know it's fun. This is the the things that are that are usually uh, that you cannot access easy. You yeah. know, that are fun, and especially when you can bring your kids and your young ones. You know, I had a I had some some gentleman wrote to me last week saying that he had given up on his season tickets for the past five six years and came back this year with a six year old. You know, and uh, so nothing is better than discovering something from your childhood. With your child, you know, so, and I know that, um, I, you know, when you're six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, to walk into a locker room mm-hmm. where everything is larger than life, you know, and, and you admire those, those athletes, um, these are things that we want to bring back. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and, and hopefully, uh, Tim and Cliff build on it, uh, make your experience the best that it was better than the, the ones you have for the past 20 years. I mean, that's going to be our goal next year, try to make it up to our fans as much as we can. For sure. When I say make it up, I mean the missed 2020 season oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, 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 the challenging 2021 from for there. Sure. For sure. Point of view. Cliff? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, as far as trying to grow the game outside of Montreal, like I, I have said on numerous occasions that the Alouettes really have to consider themselves like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, like make it not just Montreal's team, but Quebec's team. Are there plans yeah. uh, in place to hopefully grow that in 2022? That's a, 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 such a timely question. Yesterday morning, we were in meetings um, about that, discussing many, many opportunities. Training camp could be held in another city. Scrimmage could be held in another city during training camp. Uh, even if we have it in Montreal, we could travel for a day or two. Exhibition game can be in, you know, Quebec, Sherbrooke, Trois-Rivières. Uh, uh, yes, yesterday morning, we're actually uh, discussing that. And you might see this year that we did our focus on marketing on light up the stadium, so more on the experience at the stadium, and not about Montreal, you know, not about just all that aspect, which is, which is, I'm not criticizing, but we just turn it around because we do want to become Quebec's team. Uh, just like you described some of the teams that are, you know, BC Lions and uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which carry the name. Obviously, in Ontario, you cannot do that because there's three teams, but places, and neither can you in, in, in Alberta, but certainly BC and and Saskatchewan does, and, and you know the bombers could do that also. They could be the Manitoba bombers, but it's it's Winnipeg, and that's fine. But they are, they are the team of a province, so of course that's a goal we want to accomplish. All right. Uh, in regards to Danny Machocha, this was his first full year as general manager. Uh, in your estimation, uh, do you think that he? accomplished the goals that he wanted to as far as uh, putting the the best possible product on the field? I I think so. Uh, Danny, first of all, you guys know Danny. If there's, I think, I don't know, sometimes we over-abuse that term, but certainly he's the, hard, he's the hardest working man in show business, as we say. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable the amount of work, the amount of study. 
it's impressive. And uh, I can tell you that the Montreal team is in good hands with, uh, with Danny at the helm there from the football operations. There is a sense of Danny laid out. And what I like about Danny's communication is quite clear, uh, which fits my style in the sense of what we wanted the Alouettes to represent and to be. And if you remember, uh, he had said a couple of things. First of all, um, uh, we will, uh, I'm going to very precisely, he had said, I want to know a defensive line that's going to get much more than 24 sacks over 18 games. Uh, if you remember that, uh, he had said that as a goal. Uh, so, cause we had 24 sacks in 18 games in 2019. I think we ended up with close to 50 sacks and I think we're number one or two in the league. So that's number one promise uh, made. He talked about Canadian content slash Quebec content. I think we all got that promise in, in, um, in very good fashion, you know, and he had talked about not only great Canadian content online, but obviously um, a great QB. Uh, so we started the year with Vernon, of course, then he got hurt. And I think, and we were, I, I remind everybody because sometimes people can be tough on our stars and our athletes, but when Vernon was hurt, he was leading the lead, in, uh, the league, leading the league in terms of TD passes. And then he got hurt, and we played with Matthew, gave us two great wins. Matthew got hurt, had a, you know, in the Saskatchewan game was a bit more difficult. Then got hurt, and um, uh, in in prevention, um, we were very lucky. Danny, with his with his uh, instincts, got and in, went and get and got uh, Trevor Harris. Uh, so we had three quarterbacks this year and three CFL solid experience, um, CFL caliber QBs. So we almost never missed a beat. The challenge we had this year, of course, was around the fact when Mario Alford got hurt, that was something that Danny, so I gave him an A plus, but Danny knowing him will probably not give himself an A plus, but in context of everything, I think I'm very, very satisfied with the performance, with the way that they were able to, you know, fill up the O-line. It's difficult to know when you get to your, 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 your depth player number three or four, and these guys are full of heart, don't get me wrong, but they're not used to playing together. They haven't started with the training camp, and you know the cohesion that's needed on an O-line and on a D-line, offensive and defensive line, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming that everybody's a big football fan, so I can use uh, O-line and D-line, and people will get it, of course, uh, uh, talking about your business. But, uh, yes, yeah, so, um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, really uh, satisfied um, and beyond with, uh, with Danny and his, and his team. He would be the first one to point out that he doesn't do that alone, uh, just like when sometimes people uh, point out that we could have been uh, – uh, more efficient on punt returns after Mario got hurt, for instance, or kickoff returns. Um, Danny's always quick to to say, "Yeah, you can look at the guy that catches the ball, but there's also there's also 11 guys that need to block. And if they don't block, and the guy's surrounded, uh, there's not much you can do." So again, football is the quintessential teamwork, and it's the same thing when you talk about recruitment. You know, so everybody we have guys covering the states, guys covering the east the West and, uh, and that's key in order to be able to have the next man uh, step up uh, in good fashion. Okay. And let's go on the other side. Uh, as far as uh, Gary Stern's ownership so far with the Alouettes, uh, do you think that uh, he is 
fully committed to providing you, Danny, and Kahari with everything possible, everything that's needed to put forth the best possible team, both on and off the field? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he hasn't faltered. I mean, through through a season, of, uh, through a difficult season of not playing, of not season, but year of not playing, uh, which turns into pure losses. Uh, you know, we want to accelerate our plan and get to the most, to the quickest way to uh, the, 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 you know, to the finish line of breaking even and making profit. So, but we're on the way there. Um, Gary has been supportive and uh, understands the position. And uh, like us, disappointed in the results on the field. Like us, you know, wish that we would have known earlier about the fans and we would have done maybe some marketing differently. We will never know that. Um, but, you know, we want, we just feel that we're, we're working hard and we need to earn the trust of the fans to come out and um, and at least we have all positive signs this year. So it's a step in the it's a step in the right direction again. Yeah. Okay. And uh, also too, uh, being a media guy, I, I think you need to talk to Gary about his uh, his Twitter profile because it's it's kind of <laughs> lacking. I mean, he, he gives gives great opinions, and I, and I admire his passion and dedication, but it, it, it just looks like an anonymous Twitter account. So. I don't know if maybe he, he needs a, a picture. A, he needs a picture. <laughs> at least a picture or at least I'm, I don't uh, know if Gary's at Gary Stern is available. Maybe like Gary Stern owls or something like maybe we need to talk to him about this. <laughs> I will. I will uh, pass on the message. It's not as if Gavin done it, uh, but Gary's his own man. So uh, it's the way he likes it. But uh, I will pass it on again, guys. I guarantee. <laughs> All right, that's that's all we can ask. <laughs> and and finally, exactly. And finally, Mario, let's let's talk about 2022. Obviously, you know, uh, upcoming schedule. Whenever that is going to be released, we know the fans will know a little bit more. And obviously, from there, the team will let us know uh, what's going to be coming up for 2022. Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask. Uh, it's in, and for some, it's minor. For for others, it's 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 a major type of thing because, you know. We can look at 2021. If people want to remember 2021, they're really, besides what was given to, to the fans or to the season ticket holders, besides the, uh, the, you know, the merchandise that they got as being a season ticket holder, you know, the team had to suspend giving out the season ticket cards, as an example. Does the team see themselves bringing back that type of stuff where they can actually have a physical reminder of a season next year will, will the team be bringing back those cards as far as you know or is the team going to be really going to be um uh centering on going digital from now on the uh, the key in your question is physical um object to remember yes so that we're working on that okay is it a, is it a ticket is it a card I think we're committed to uh, digital, uh, no doubt. Uh, but we clearly, I and I think we have an idea that I'm not ready to share, but that I tried out once or twice this year. And the, the ticket members went and put it on their Facebook, and they were very proud of it, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm a, we might be on to a little something that's a nice gesture and something that's a little bit unique that not a lot of people have. So we're working on that stuff. Uh, but yes, there's going to be a physical, to use your expression, uh, memento okay. of 2022 out there. Because because I yeah. will admit, I, I've I've been a guy, I'm an old school guy, uh, Mario. Where uh, I was bummed when the when the um, 
when the team got rid of the pocket schedules, but I understand why they were gotten rid of. And I, I was kind of against them, you know, taking away the physical tickets, but I, I was sort of uh, the type of fan who got used to the, having the season ticket card because I thought it was, it was unique. You can pull it out of your thing. You have it with you always. And you can say, and it's, and it's a talk and it's a conversation starter because you can pull it out and say, is that your credit card? Yeah. It's, like, it's like, no, I'm a season ticket holder of Montreal Alouettes, that type of thing. So, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing, and, and not to say that it won't come back. Oh no, I know. I, I, I'm, 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 just haven't made the decision for yeah. sure. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with. So that's, uh, I'm, 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 test- I'm anticipating uh, something, something cool. So that, that's, that's what I'll say about that. Um, what, yeah. um, what are you guys looking for for 2022, Mario? Because I know, as we know, 2021 was very tough. Um, obviously, we're looking forward to a a full. 10 game home season, including preseason and having those summer, summer nights at Percival Molson. Um, is the team looking to stay roughly on the same type of, of games where it's Friday, Saturdays and, and the odd Monday game, or is it, uh, do you think that, cause I remember in the year end, um, survey, it wasn't asked this year, but do you think the team's going to be sent looking more or less on Friday, Saturdays for most of the games next season? Most of the games, I think. Uh, first of all, we hope to have one Monday, mm-hmm. uh, and we have, and we hope to have eleven games. So that oh yes, that we would yes, be you're right. Sorry, hosting the uh, Eastern Final. Yes, yes, uh, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, we're looking for a full schedule, and we're probably going to have a full, a good spread out between uh, mostly Fridays and Thursdays. Okay. We will have our share of Saturdays. I'm trying to remember the last draft I saw, which will be public soon but it's it's sort of uh, equal um we have to, we're trying to have it balanced but for us so we want to skip uh the week the week of the grand prix for example yep. uh we also want to skip the week of uh, construction yep so we always end up being a little bit on the road more in the beginning and then having a homestay as of august and of course by weeks in between all that so i'm not sure we'll be more heavily on, uh, uh, I think we have a good chunk of, of uh, we will have a good chunk of Fridays and Thursdays. Uh, we like those games during the week in the summer. Um, that's 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 always a big hit. So, so yeah, no. So we sh- we should be pretty even. Uh, we should be pretty even next year. And obviously, hopefully, uh, playing eleven games. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh... Honestly, I, I think you covered uh, quite a bit already. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it, it's so hard because uh, I can't help but feel this team should still be – they should be getting ready for a game this Sunday, and they're not. And it's it's frustrating for sure, but, I mean, it's stuff that's beyond our control. Uh, yeah. Honestly, uh, I have to say, like this year has definitely been a challenging one for the Alouettes. Uh, it's been a challenging one as a supporter for the Alouettes, but I think – for the most part, we got through it, and I think we, I, I definitely think we can say that we've we've enjoyed the experience so far. And I think so. In, in less than ideal circumstances, but I think we we made the most of it, and we definitely appreciate that the team was able to play first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I think that was crucial. Uh, yeah, I, I think the efforts that you've made to help grow the team exponentially has definitely not gone unnoticed and 
to me, I, I, I'm really curious to see just what 2022 is going to bring, not just for the Alouettes players, coaches, and staff, but also too for the the front office as well. Because I, 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 I have to admit, I, I do hold this team in very high regard. I do have some pretty lofty standards to what I see on and off the field. And to me, like that's my hope is that this team just keeps growing and keeps evolving and becoming a much better product. And I, I, I will say, Mario, like I, I want this team to succeed on and off the field. And I'm I'm very encouraged by what you've been able to say over the past few weeks and even here tonight. Yeah, I agree. I'm encouraged by everything that's I'm hearing. And I just want to see it continue. Yeah. And and I would say, too, that, you know, well, kudos, kudos, also kudos to the team, too, Mario, considering that, you know, the team may have lost so many good employees because of either, you know, either furloughing or because they left for whatever reasons during COVID. I applaud the team for being yeah. able to to get things together with whom they may have currently had or, or the others that they have hired. And uh, uh, I look forward to seeing what they can do in 2022. Well, thank you very much, and 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 I do appreciate you mentioning this because COVID, from a staff point of view, is is a great challenge. And but the the good thing, if I say sometimes about turnover, is that obviously you got people who are really enthused. And what we what we find out is that the Alouettes brand is still very strong. We have a lot of again just a rejuvenated, passionate staff on board, which just eager to move forward and. And I will end it just uh, at the top of your comment that you just made. You mentioned that we should be playing tomorrow. I can tell you that, uh, not tomorrow, but Sunday. I can tell you that watching the games on Sunday was one of the most frustrating experiences of my sport life. Uh, uh, we should have been on TV. I should not have been sitting in my living room. <laughs> I, should have, I, sh- I, 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 I should have been in Toronto. And I was saying the same thing to Kahari and Danny yesterday. I said, you guys have been through it. So you don't win every year. Me, it's my first time. And I was literally PO'd. <laughs> I was not happy watching those games. And you still don't get over it. So I totally share your feeling. You're absolutely right. And it's our duty now to make it up next year. Oh, Mario, well, this is this. Coach. This would definitely. I hope you use this as motivation. Then, <laughs> and this, is what it, oh. this is what they tell sports people all the time: is use that anger, that uh, that feeling of being PO'd. Use that as the motivation to be better and to put forth a better product. So that this time next year, we'll be talking about playing in the Grey Cup. We'll be getting ready yeah, to go it, to Grey Cup. Good, <laughs> exactly, it's not a good feeling, and that's exactly right. I mean, it is a motivation and. We know our league. We have one standard. The Alouettes, I don't know if they always had it, but we have it since 2020. And Kahari thinks the same way, and so does Danny. Uh, you know, it's it's we need to get to the game. Uh, and that's going to be the goal every year. Nothing short than that. Yeah. And I can say, I, I, as I said at the top of the show, I hope that you... Uh, that us talking to you at the end of the season, it becomes a yearly thing. It's, it's in year two. We really appreciate your time, Mario. And uh, obviously, hey, all the best for 2022, right? My pleasure. Count, count on it of being a tradition. No problem. Once again, we want to thank all, you know, honestly, we want to thank uh, Alouette's President Mario Ciccini for joining us. Um, the, the gentleman, 
has always been open and honest with us. He's able to tell us the information that he can, and we really appreciate his candor. It's uh, it's it's really really greatly appreciated that we're able to speak with him and get you you the fans uh, information about the Alouettes. Oh, without question, and to hear him be as honest and transparent as he possibly could. I mean, we certainly don't expect him to spill all the beans about everything. I mean, you know, you want to have some surprises to be able to drop uh, throughout the off season, but mm-hmm. uh, just to hear hear him talk like, not just about the product on the field, but just about the how the, what the team is planning to do off the field. Tell you what, folks, I've been critical about the Alouettes and their direction for the past couple of years, but I will give credit where credit's due. I, I think this team has definitely taken steps to get in the right direction. Again, we're, we're looking at a team that's gone to the playoffs two years in a row, uh, also finished early two years in a row, but again, that doesn't speak to the off-field portion of things. To me, I think Mario and his team are committed and focused on presenting the best product possible, and I think we're going to be seeing that, especially in the, the coming weeks, months, leading up into 2022. I can't help but feel confident in the direction where this team is going off the field, and hopefully that's going to translate to on-field success as well. Hopefully that's going to translate to more butts in the seats in 2022 and just overall success for this team. And believe me, I will always, always root for that. For sure. Um, Before we finish up the show, I want to remind everybody that we are on social media. You can find us many, many places. Uh, You want to head over to our archive at uh, alouettesflightdeck.ca. You can also head over to any of the... uh, any of the different uh, podcast hosts uh, that are out there, just do a search for Alouette's Flight Deck, and you should be able to find us there and, and listen. You know, you know, with Spotify and and iHeartRadio, those are some of the some of the bigger ones too that we that, that we are currently on. And Tim, I actually just found out we are also now on Amazon Music. Oh, amazing! Isn't that great? That's cool, dude. That's cool. I, I think we can. I'll, I think I could be wrong because uh, I, I think it's. I just, well, we just found this out this afternoon, but. I can't help but wonder if you've got like one of those smart speakers. I wonder if you can train it to say, I, I won't say it here because mine is no doubt listening to me, but uh, A L E X A, yeah, play Alouette's flight deck, yeah, and it just might, yep. I know, so, I know mine automatic. I think mine would automatically go to iHeart if I'm not mistaken, because that's how I usually do my with my smart, smart speaker, mm-hmm. you know, the old, the old Goog settings that he is. Um, but yeah, that, that's cool. I, I did not even know that. Thanks for, thanks for updating us. So, um, well, that's it. so uh, again, folks, just, this is just more great ways to be able to listen to this podcast. And once again, I, I can't stress this enough. Check us out on YouTube. Yes. Yep. Get it, get Subscribe it. to the YouTube channel. Get Give us, us to, a like. Get us to a hundred. Get us to a hundred babies. Listen, do you not want one of those awesome retro jackets? Hello, you've seen us rock them at Percival Wilson Stadium. Do yeah, you not want one of even, your own? We've even been on TV with them on. Exactly. Yes. Listen, these jackets, they are a conversation starter. They are a statement piece. If you don't want one of these, fine. But if you do, the easiest, easiest way to get your hands on one is tell your friends and family and everybody that you know to subscribe to the Alouette's Flight Deck yeah. YouTube page. That's right, because... People need to remember these aren't for sale anymore at the Alouettes at the Alouette store. There you go, folks. So I mean, yeah. Don't forget, we're uh, obviously on Twitter at uh, Alouettes FL Deck. Cliff's that at Cliffy D. I'm at Repact R E P P A C T. There is also our Facebook page, our new Facebook page. Um, curious to know if anybody, if you were 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 uh, part of our ad blitz that we had over the past two weeks, you can uh, check us out. Just look up Alouettes Flight Deck or look up Alouettes Flight Deck Pod. Uh, also Instagram, 
uh, many, many places. So, uh, you know, as I said, but uh, yeah, YouTube, do it. Do it. Do it. I'm not putting any pressure. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Listen, we can't tell you what you what to do, but you should do that. Exactly. And don't forget our merch store, too. Don't forget the merch store, too. It's uh, We have some pretty cool stuff up there. Absolutely. I mean, holiday season's come. You know, we're pretty much in the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what better gift to give your favorite podcast listener than some really sweet Alouette's Flight Deck merchandise? Exactly. Exactly. So check out the links. You'll find it on you know on all of our socials. You'll you'll find the the link to get to our merchandise store. You know, mm-hmm. pick up some great stuff. And what better way to celebrate the holiday season than to give your loved ones some awesome Alouette's Flight Deck merchandise? Exactly. And lastly, before we finish up, we decided we're going to go ahead and make our picks for the Grey Cup. Cliffy, I know you will be there representing Alouette's Nation and also uh, the Flight Deck. So if anybody of you are going to be into Hamilton, you give Cliffy a shout out on social and uh, maybe you can meet up at the game or whatever. Um, but we gotta, um, we're going to choose our, who we think is going to win the Grey Cup. And Cliff, I'm going to go with you first. Well, I mean, Hamilton and Winnipeg, round two. Or I guess, yeah, yeah I guess it would be round two. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know what's harder. What, 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 what's more pressure? Hosting the Grey Cup and playing in it or trying to repeat as Grey Cup champions? To me, it's it, it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. I but I have to go with Winnipeg. I, I think they've got the horses. They've proven it this year. I mean, let's face it. They, until they came to Montreal, they were only had one loss, and it was just by a touchdown to Toronto. Since then, for the most part, this team has been dominant up and down, uh, consistent more than anything else. I mean, they they just they know how to play. They know how to win. Uh, I think Zach Claros is going to. I think, unfortunately, he is going to take home the most outstanding player at the CFL Awards. And I think he's he's going to lead his team to their second straight Grey Cup. Yeah. Imagine after after a 30-year Grey Cup drought, it's very possible that come Sunday, the Bombers could be back-to-back champions. And I truly think they're going to do it. I do too. I actually, I'm heading that direction too. Even though, even though Winnipeg, we don't know what happened with them last week. You know, Saskatchewan couldn't take advantage of those six turnovers that uh, they had. Uh, again, you had this the change in quarterback for Hamilton, and uh, you know it is pressure. You, it's hard to win at home. You know, if you're there, it's hard to win. I said, look how many years it's been since the last team won at home. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm on the same same side as you. I, they will become they will come back to back champions. I think they will they will repeat as being Grey Cup champions. So, um, and unlike you, Cliff, I honestly think this game's going to be as much of a blowout as it was last time. You really think so? I in yeah, I really think it will be. Well, I, again, I, I think Dave Dane Evans has proven himself to be a very solid quarterback, and to the point where you you can't help but wonder, like, why did they invest so much in Mazzoli only to go back to Dane Evans? Mm-hmm. But the guy knows how to win, and you know, I I think he'll actually put it put together a solid performance. I think back in 2019, I think Hamilton, despite having a much better record, I kind of got the sense that they were just happy to be there, whereas Winnipeg was desperate to get that monkey off their back. And they they, they, they made the, the trade to get Caleros. Uh, he went on that magical run, and they reached their destiny. But yeah. I think that I think Winnipeg, they're addicted to winning now. I, I think they it wasn't a case of they got a taste of winning and – there was no great cup hangover with that team. Like they just kept rolling and rolling. And even when players went down to injury, others stepped up and were able to keep playing at a high level. And to me, I think that's, what's going to be key more than anything else is that 
I, I just think Winnipeg is built to win, and I think that's exactly what they're going to do on Sunday. I, I think it'll be a, a more competitive game, but I still think Winnipeg is going to come out on top, and they're going to be the first back-to-back Grey Cup champion since the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned to our social media for any updates on what we mentioned before about our potential uh, last show of the of the season. Um, and for any other information that may acro- come across social media concerning the Alouettes, whether it be the schedule, whether it be free agency, whether it be uh, you know, whether it be Cliff uh, taking a swig of beer or multiple beers over at the Grey Cup, uh, you know, it, it'll be it'll be there for everybody to see. And uh, remember, Cliff, remember I, while you're there, just remember: once it's on the internet, it's always on the internet. That's true. You, you uh, try as you might, you you can't delete your history on the internet. <laughs> no, no, you can't. So stay safe, my friend. I hope you have fun. I'll be watching from the comfort of my couch. But uh, again, ha- have fun and represent us, uh, Alouette's Nation and the flight deck as well as you normally do. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.